This is Voices of Duke Health. I'm Karishma Sriram. You're about to hear from Dr. Sophia Smith. Today, she's a researcher and teaches at the Duke School of Nursing. But she didn't always imagine this path for herself. My long story short is that I had grown up wanting to be a nurse, but when I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I was in treatment for two years. And when I was coming out of it, I realized I really didn't want to work in a hospital setting. And my other love was technology. So I went to school and and then upon graduation, worked at IBM for um, over a decade. While I was at IBM, my husband and I were blessed with twin girls. And when they were a year and a half old, I received my second cancer diagnosis, breast cancer. And uh, at the time, we weren't really sure if I was going to make it or not. Sophia and her husband decided that to maximize her chance of survival, she would leave the high-stress environment of IBM. So she went back to school, got her master's, then her PhD, and she started to get really interested in researching cancer survivorship. So not, you know, how are we going to cure cancer, but how are we going to guess best support patients who are going through it and survivors who are past the treatment phase? So Sophia dove headfirst into answering that question, and her research led her to create something incredible, an app called the Cancer Distress Coach. So today, we're going to hear all about that app, but first, it's important to understand exactly what Sophia learned from her research. One of the things I was always deeply interested in were these symptoms that no one ever really identified back in the day. So my treatments for Hodgkin's were back in the 70s. And while I was in school, I started to talk with a lot of the instructors and other students there to describe what what these symptoms were like. And they said, geez, you know, that sounds a lot like PTSD. And I said to them, I said, oh, well, isn't that for people who've been in the war and have, you know, in combat and they said yes but there's also this recognition now that a life-threatening illness can precipitate PTSD and we did a cross-sectional study for my dissertation and we found quite a strong prevalence of PTSD in these cancer survivors so five years later we decided to follow up with these individuals What we found was not only were the symptoms still there for about one in three, but in many they got worse. And the other finding that we had were that those that were at highest risk were non-white, low income, and female. So that's what kind of, for me, tied everything together. Okay, now we know what these symptoms are. Now we know that individuals are at risk for this. We know who those who are most at risk for this. They don't have the resources. How do we get them something that they can use that's low or no cost and that can be with them in the moment? And that's what led me to the doorstep of the National Center for PTSD to say, hey, do you want to collaborate? So together we embarked on this project Um, So 
Bridget, perhaps that's how you and I met in the early days. In fact, most of our patients did come from your clinic at Duke Regional. Yeah, and it was a great opportunity for our patients as well. That's Dr. Bridget Kuntz. She's a radiation oncologist at Duke. And at some point, she heard what Sophia was working on, an incredible resource for cancer survivors struggling with PTSD or anxiety. And Dr. Kuntz knew that many of her patients could really benefit from a resource like that. Most of my clinical practice is out of a community hospital um, in North Durham. And so it pulls from a relatively rural population. And, and um, consequently, I think those are patients that can't drop everything and get in here every week or every two weeks. And so having um, resources that are available to them you know, at the tip of their phone uh, make a lot of sense. What we see, you know, as, as people come back after having had cancer, and it's part of our job to coach them, is that there would be a fear that any time they had a tweak or a twinge that that could be a cancer recurrence, and that really feeds into a lot of anxiety. So we get a lot of phone calls the first couple months when they finish treatment, and they're, they're not actually scheduled to be seen back yet, but they want to know, well, this hurts, or I have a new rash, or and we have to reassure them that everybody gets aches and pains and colds. And so one of the things that when Sophia was telling us about her project was the idea that this would be a way to help patients coach with the day-to-day and um, that was really the, the joy of having a product like this, is you were really you were able to get people whenever they had that anxiety. And um, they didn't have to wait for a day to get a phone call back from the doctor to tell them it was okay. Then let's talk a little bit about the app. What is the app? Mm. What does it look like? How do patients interact with it? Version 1, that was the version that the National Center for PTSD created for us at Duke. So it had educational content about cancer-related PTSD. There was an assessment module um, using the PTSD checklist. Uh, The third module was the tools and activities. For example, if they're having nightmares, they may get prompted to do some guided imageries to help them relax or a muscle relaxation video. Uh, We were collecting their distress level using the distress thermometer. And if they scored a very high number, we would immediately send them to a hotline that they could call and speak to a live person. Version 2 was a project funded by the Duke Institute for Health Innovation in which they redesigned our Version 1 app So it greatly enhanced our reach to a national population. One of the things that I heard a lot about was I think that third module, the toolkit, because I would hear about patients who would use the various tools available um, for relaxation and you know, for the for management of their anxiety. When when you looked at that data, what do you see? Are there are there certain things that are utilized heavily, more so than others? That's a great question. The guided imageries and the relaxation, I have to say, were the most used of all of the tools because they were applicable to almost all the symptoms. Um, The other thing I'm thinking of, Bridget, is usage. So do you want to guess when most of your patients use the app? I I think you've told me this before, but um, I think a lot of them it it was in the evening, sometimes overnight. Yeah. It was between midnight and 2 a.m. when they couldn't sleep. 
So difficulty sleeping is probably the most common symptom within the PTSD symptom cluster. It's just one of many, but it is one of the most prevalent, if not the most prevalent. Dr. Koontz, how did your patients respond to this app? Oh, they really loved it. And and I think it really particularly hit hit home for my female cancer population. I see a lot of breast cancer patients. And that was a group where there is a lot of anxiety related to, because it's it's a cancer that often doesn't come with a lot of symptoms um, early on. And so there's a lot of fear there. Um, So they really enjoyed it. And I think many of them have gone on to use the second version. We have flyers in our clinic so that they can, if they're interested, they can find it. Um, I think um, Sophia has told me actually that not only is it available on a national level, she's even had some folks internationally who have found that app. That's amazing. Honestly, I'm so happy hearing like all these different types of people that you've been able to reach. Um, I'm curious, Dr. Koontz, how has this app changed the way you practice medicine or the way that you interact with your own patients? Well, I I don't think it's changed um, a lot of the direct interactions, but what I think it does is, you know, we have a a 20-minute, or I'm lucky, I I get a 30-minute appointment with my follow-up patients. And I think that in that 30 minutes, we have to cover everything. I have to screen for recurrence. I have to screen for new symptoms. I have to screen for health behaviors. And then I have to address any questions that the patient has. So that's a lot to go over. And honestly, what this app offers is it offers a, a solution to one of the problems that people raise. Alternatives before this app would be referral to psychiatry or psychology. And not only was that, I think, just a a big barrier because it's seen in some ways, um, people view that as a weakness, that they would need that. that. And so many patients would just say, no, no, I'm fine, I, I don't need to go there. But I think also it's, it's actually very difficult to get, get those appointments and get those patients into that clinical space. And so this was a resource where I actually had something we could offer and that I could offer it rather than just doing a referral. Um, and so that, you know, that definitely feels good to me. And as I said, the uptake and the patients who need it, it has been you know, very positive. I think one of the other things that this collaboration has brought is the idea of what, what we want to do next, right? Yeah. The other thing we have a lot of North Carolina is obesity. So one of the things that we've looked at is how to help cancer survivors specifically be more active. And so I have a, a pilot study that was funded through my department where we um, gave people Fitbits and um, they got text messages on a daily basis reminding them about how to be active and giving congratulations when they'd done a good job the day before. Exercise is a great treatment for anxiety. So one of the things that we are are talking about now is is there a way that we could take what we've learned from the cancer distress coach, add in some physical activity modules, and build sort of a, a next version that would even be a little bit broader. I'm really excited about that. Thank you guys again, uh, Dr. Smith and Dr. Koontz, for joining us. Um, What an amazing project you guys have done, and you guys have impacted so many people, and I know that that has motivated you to continue going, and that's really inspiring to see. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. If you like what you just heard, we hope it'll spur your own conversations. 
ask a friend what inspires them or what they're grateful for. And let us know if you would like to record a conversation in our listening booth. Visit www.listeningbooth.info to learn more. Voices of Duke Health was created by Anton Zeiker and Jonathan Bay. The show is produced by Susanna Robertson. Theme music was composed by William Dawson, musician-in-residence at Duke University Hospital, and produced, arranged, performed, and recorded by Mark Simonson and Jack Fleischman. Additional music for this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions and Lee Rosevear. And special thanks to Duke Institute for Health Innovation for making this podcast possible.